Kristen and I'm Caitlin and welcome to love and a romance podcast indeed Kristen yeah how do you feel about bondage (laughs) (laughs) so this week's episode is about kink in romance novels hi (laughs) how do I feel about bondage um I feel a lot of things about bondage if you were uh the audience to a previous feel the love friday episode you'll know that Caitlin gifted me my own flogger Mm. from Italy it was like Italian leather. It's actually really beautiful. (laughs) Anyways, yeah, we're talking about kink this week. Yes. I will say this is a kink generalist episode. This is sort of an intro to kink. Yeah. Which is is what I wanted. I think originally when we thought about doing an episode like this, we were just going to do BDSM and I wanted it to be more general. I think there's plenty of time to kind of focus in on one in a later episode, but this is... It's going to be a general discussion. There's a lot I want to talk about in this episode, too, right. beyond the books. Right. And I think eventually we'll get into the micro kinks and the specific ones, and mm-hmm. we'll have whole episodes on those. This is really just an intro to the general idea, what it means, and then a couple of our favorite kinks that we've found through books that we've read so far. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I just think it's funny, like, a couple of our favorite kinks. Well, a couple of our favorite books with kinks being... I don't know. I guess we I guess we like the books because we like the kinks. There you go. <laughs> At least we learn something them. about us too, audience. At least reading. <laughs> I what I think is funny about this episode is when we have a thematic episode coming up, I always do some research about finding a list of books to read to prepare. And for this particular episode, because I was lazy, I just went and Googled types of kinks. Just so I could get a short list and then try to find books that I thought matched interesting ones. And I got a short bullet point list of kinks I was going down the list and my next thought was oh I actually have read a book for most each of these already mm-hmm. and I actually don't need to do a lot more reading to prepare for this episode yeah I found that this week I this is probably the trope or the theme where I learned the most mm-hmm. I feel like most of them it's I don't know if it's rock stars or it's road trip it's just books that I'd already be reading but then I just read it and it's like I I appreciate the trope or the theme or the framework for what it is Mm -hmm. this week I specifically looked up different types of books and read different books and I feel like I really learned a lot about about kink about different characters about proclivities during sex like it just was really informative actually it was very informative for me it was also a a realization that not a lot shocks me anymore (laughs) like the fact that I had read a book or two that addressed each of these kinks I didn't really seek those books out necessarily for those kinks they just somehow ended up on my TBR and I read them and loved them but I didn't really like say like this is a kink book it was Mm -hmm. just this is a romance book I'm reading and so I I've obviously come a long way from the first romances I've read that maybe were relatively tame or even closed door on sex, mm-hmm. and now it's anything goes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so. yes, yes. But audience, you may be shocked by some of these, and I encourage you to explore. Yeah, that's have I think an open the, mind. That is, I think, the theme of the episode, yeah. or what the what the end goal. Yeah, have an open mind and be open to learning about something that you may not have experienced for yourself. Yeah, yeah. 
So, Caitlin, what are you wearing on your nails this week? Yes, before we get into the book. So, I'm wearing... Wait, wait, before you, before you say anything, the nail polish colors this week are some of my favorite names. Maybe only second to the male virgin episode. I knew you were going to say Yeah. That. Yeah. So, mine is I Pull the Strings by OPI. <laughs> this is actually... I think it's one that's supposed to go on top of other colors, but I just have it on my naked nails right now. But it's really pretty. It's like gold flecks, basically, with other glittery colors. Yeah, it's sparkly. Yeah, I think you could add it to any nail color, and it would be a good like New Year's Eve yeah. vibe. And I'm wearing Don't Bossa Nova Me Around, <laughs> which is a great name. And it's sort of a super pale grayish lavender. Yeah, it's really, really nice. The one color that I couldn't find that I wanted to get up for this episode was... I think it was called I Don't Stop for Red. I Stop for Red. Or I, I Stop think. for yeah. Red, which that's just so thematically appropriate on yeah. point. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. So before we talk a little bit more about the themes we see in Kink Book, I wanted to briefly touch on the types of books we see. And I'm actually kind of pulling this from a recent episode of Faded Mates, which they did a whole episode on Daddy Kink, which is really fascinating. But they talked about the idea of erotica versus erotic romance, hmm. specifically in, in novels. And it's not something I ever thought about before. I definitely, there's a scale of, when I read a book of like a steam scale and an associated plot scale where there's there's definitely an end where like the plot disappears and it's definitely just, yeah. er, you know, erotic or what I would think of as erotica. And then there can be a, like a pleasurable mix of plot and porn and plot, right? We've talked about porn and plot before. But I think they made a really great distinction that I think applies here where you can have erotica, which really is sex, tends to be more lighthearted. There's very, if you probably pulled the plot off the page, it'd be like 30% of the actual book and the rest of it is sex. And it's really about being pornography. It really, really, really pushes towards that end of the spectrum versus erotic romance, which now I think I understand, and as they talked about, I agree, is really steamy romance, maybe more steamy than like a normal contemporary romance, but with an associated plot that is strong and threads throughout. Hmm. And in kink, I tend to associate a kink book as an erotic romance, and the ones that I enjoy at least are, are an erotic romance versus erotica, because the thread that flows throughout them and the plot is like an emotional and mental component of the characters mm. kind of dealing with that kink and their relationship. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. I've never thought about that distinction, but that totally makes sense. Yeah, because normally when we've talked about, we've talked about like, well, this is erotica and this is just contemporary or this has some steam, but I think there's even a further distinction of erotica versus erotic romance. I think it's hard to have a romance novel with kink that's not erotic in some sense yeah. right because the kink is sexual and so for it to really explore that you have to have a lot of sex on the page yeah i also think the idea of sex is very we often think of it in a very black and white scale where it's like penetrative sex is like that is what we think of but you can also have a lot of physical intimacy and sexual intimacy without that sort yeah. of penetration I was actually listening to a podcast, an episode of Turn Me On podcast. Have you ever listened to that? No, I haven't. Oh, it's a great podcast. By, it was actually my yoga teacher in Halifax when we visited. And then <laughs> she told me about her husband's podcast. And then we figured out that they actually have a podcast together. 
and it's amazing. But they had a sexologist on recently who was talking about how we often think about sex as just being penetrative or like classic sex in the classic sense, but you can often have really erotic situations while you're still fully clothed. And that's a sexologist in particular helps people sort of figure that out, couples figure that out and explore those different types of sex. I think that so. probably really meshes well with the idea of kink because yeah. kink is not, I mean, kink can, is, I think it's sexual, but it's not always a physical intimacy. Right. And like it's not often just, like that. it's often not just like, well, I'm just going to be inside you now. It's like all the other things. Yeah, it's the lead up. It, it, it's a lot more foreplay when mm-hmm. you're talking about kink. There's a lot more. Yeah, there's just a lot it's more the dynamic between the partners. Mm-hmm. It's the other, all the other things you can do that are erotic before you even get to the yeah. penetration. Yeah, yeah. But I think when you, going back to this sort of erotica, erotic romance distinction, when you have the erotica and it's really just sex, because there isn't so much plot, it tends just to be about I'm just enjoying the kink. And this is, lends itself towards more pornography, whereas the erotic romance, because you have the plot and often the emotional and mental component, it tends to be maybe a heavier read. Right? I mean, it could still be lighthearted, but you're dealing with more character development mm-hmm. and sort of their relationship and how they're dealing with the kink yeah outside of the kinky situation yeah that actually well i don't know if i should save this for when i talk about why i love the trope but one thing i did notice with the novels i was reading is that often the characters were working through their own trauma and experiences through sex involving the kink yeah and i thought that was really i'm going to talk about it more in a little bit but i thought that was really interesting and informative for me yeah I think you make some really great points, and I think you can touch on those in, when we talk about the books, but I think they should we should talk about them now, too, because they really lend itself to the overarching themes in more of the erotic romance category of books, where we do see people working through trauma via sexual experiences. And I did read a few articles and sort of studies by psychologists and PhDs who sort of acknowledge that people come to kink from a lot from a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different reasons and one of those is working through trauma in the sense that you maybe went through a trauma situation and now you are replaying that or doing it a different way taking or do, control taking control it, doing it in rewriting a the narrative right taking it and put, making it a consensual situation and then also having aftercare which is yeah really important and and what is that for people who might not know Aftercare, I typically feel like I see it associated with, well, with kink, but also just like the BDSM culture of this idea of there's a coming down after that situation where you and your partner are affectionate with one another and sort of are there for one another, whether that's physically cuddling or something like that, or just making sure you're, it's taking the time to separate yourselves again from the kink situation. And then coming back to real life. Yeah. It's a coming down. (laughs) The things that I saw in these books, and we picked a handful of books, but there are just thousands we could read. We saw people working through trauma with kink. We also found, at least I found, a lot of the characters dealing with the idea of shame and secreting away a part of themselves because they have this kink. I thought, particularly the heroes in the books I read, a lot of them were reclusive people who felt shamed by society, a feeling that they were wrong or disgusting. Like this is what I'm talking, when I talk about this, there being like more of the emotional and mental thread through these erotic romances, particularly that I loved, is because there is this mental component of wanting to explore the side of yourself sexually and then feeling like it's wrong. Mm -hmm. There's also, I think, so there's a social stigma, of course, 
I think there is also a misconception, not necessarily in these books, but I think in culture generally, that your background influences your sexual interests. And I think that can be true, but it can also not be true. Mm -hmm. Your sexual interests can also be distinct from your background and how you grew up or anything like that. Yeah, one of the books that I'm going to talk about uh, where they have, it it talks about rape fantasies and consensual Mm -hmm. non-consent that is actually touched on a lot in the book about Mm -hmm. whether this kink is because of her trauma or because it's something just pre-existing. Right, right. And, and, you know, some of the articles and studies I read were talked about as it can be both Mm -hmm. and it's not one situation versus the other. And I mean, like daddy kink, for example, not everyone with a daddy kink, like had an absent father or something like that. There's all types of reasons that people come to kink and it has can be very separate from mm-hmm. how you grew up and how you're living now. Yeah. So <laughs> I think the idea of kink is a lot more prevalent in society now. And this also may be the fact that now I'm an adult. And so I am just more aware of things actually than I was when I was younger. But I was trying to think about whether whether or not Fifty Shades of Grey <laughs> is the movie and the book that like brought it out of obscurity. I really feel like it is. I kind of feel like it is. Yeah. Although I was rewatching that last night actually because <laughs> I just... Kristen told me to watch this truly terrible movie, and so I turned it off and was like, you know what's better than this? Fifty Shades of Grey, which Josh this is a low bar. Josh was like, wow, the bar is low. I was like, yeah, we're well I'm over it. Okay, but anyway, so but Fifty I'm, Shades of Grey is one of those movies that both of us are like, this is horrible, but we've both seen it about five times. No, I've only seen it once before. You've only seen it once before? Yeah, I was really late to the game on Fifty Shades. Okay, fine. I so I saw it. I saw it again last night, but I was. I really hate the way the movie portrays BDSM. Yeah, and the communication between. I just think it's not at all representative of how people who have those kinks actually treat them Mm -hmm. so it's really terrible in that sense i think but i do think it was a big normal it really normalized yes that stuff for a lot of people especially women yeah yeah and there i mean the 50 shades of gray books i think i think if it hadn't been made into a movie it wouldn't have become as mainstream i I don't know. The book was i remember people reading the book it was but i feel like there are so many very very similar books with this true but this one was really popular i mean people were I like yes i just like feel like it, ultimately like it. that book just follows the billionaire hero rescuing the heroine virgin like it's just so i just there's so many that yeah. do that almost exactly but anyway yes way. i think you're right that it did sort of bring it into the mainstream yeah people are obviously still will feel shame about it in society just because like not every individual is gonna like feel one way or the other like even if it becomes more open in society but at least i feel like I'm a pretty sexually open person and very sex positive. And I don't really know many people who aren't, but maybe I've also not had those conversations with people. I don't know. Like, I'm just wondering, like, if that movie sort of brought it out of obscurity and also has, like, helped culture, helped us become a more sex positive culture overall. Maybe. I mean, it might just fall in line with all the other content that's coming. Yeah. Yeah. A few episodes ago on Fit Love Friday, we talked about the new Netflix show, How to Build a Sex Room, which is, yeah. oh, there's a kink coach in, yeah. that, in that show. Yeah, I do want to point out one thing you have here. I think just the definitions of kink and fetish, we should just get in really quickly before we go further. Yeah, so you want to go mind. ahead and get, read yeah, them? Yeah, sure. So the definitions we have here, kink is a broad term that refers to a wide variety of consensual, non-traditional, sexual, sensual, and intimate behaviors such as sadomasochism, domination, and submission erotic role-playing, fetishism, and erotic forms of discipline. Whereas fetish is a more narrow term that describes people with an erotic or intimate interest in specific non-genital body parts, fabrics, smells, fluids, costumes, and other non-human objects. That's very interesting. 
Yes. So I think it's just important to point out that, as we said at the top of the episode, kink is very, very broad as a topic for this episode. And we're just going to touch on a couple of them in the books that we've read. Yeah. Yeah. I also wanted to briefly touch on, so I did a little Googling about really about kink and psychology because I wanted to, again, bring it back to sort of the character, the idea of the character and, and reconciling the kink with themselves and as an individual. And I came up with a bunch of journal articles, but one that flagged my interest is a 2017 journal article. It is called 50 Shades of Belgian Grey, The Prevalence of BDSM-Related Fantasies and Activities in the General Population. And the aim of this study was to determine the prevalence of BDSM fantasies and behavioral involvement in four different age groups in Belgium's general population. The outcomes were actually pretty fascinating because they found that overall there was a high interest in BDSM-related activities. 46.8% of their sample had performed at least one BDSM-related activity, an additional 22% indicated having fantasies about it, and 12.5% indicated that they performed at least one BDSM-related activity on a regular basis. I think my point is a lot of how kink is portrayed in books, and I think still in society, which we can talk about how sex positive we are, but ultimately we're still a pretty sex-shaming society overall. At least in the United States. Yeah, at least in the United States. I think a lot of what is talked about in kink and romance novels is that the feeling of you are alone mm-hmm. and this is what makes you weird and not normal. And a lot of the population actually <laughs> deals with these things. I mean, they can be different kinks, but ultimately you're not alone. Yeah. And sure, we don't talk about it, but the way that people think they have to be ashamed of things is something that I think we need to work on changing. Yeah, I think there's a a gradient in the books too because in some of them they really feel like whether it's because it came out of trauma or just because they think it's sort of weird compared to the rest of society they feel a lot of shame and they feel like they need to hide this about themselves i think at the other end of the spectrum where they're still hiding it but it's just like you know this is my sex life like i don't need to tell everybody about it and i think there's both of that there is both of that and i think on the way as we really get towards erotica you get the kink without shame because those books are just about the sex mm-hmm. and that's and that's missing sort of that emotional mental component right but, yeah. but it still might be that you're not like super open about it but it might not be yeah. from a shameful place it might just be like you know i don't need to tell everybody yeah what sex, I like to sex is private for me kind right, of thing. Right, right. Yeah. yeah so why i love kink based on the books that i read and there's three main things i know you said you didn't love it for the same reason so I'm, <laughs> I'm curious to hear what you liked about it Yeah, okay. You go first. I'll go first, yeah. So the first is communication. I think I've mentioned this before as a rape crisis counselor in college, and I think that consent and communication during sex just makes it hotter. So for a lot of these books, there is a lot of communication beforehand about what you like, what's okay, what's not okay, what words can't I say, what, what turns you on, how do you get off, what do you need? That, to me, was like super hot because the partners really care about the other person's experience and there's a lot of trust built in to telling somebody, you know, really intimate details about what you like and don't like and trusting that they're going to do those things for you. So I love that about these books. I'm very happy to read more kink books purely because whatever the kink is, it's exciting to me, even if it's not my kink, because I'm like, wow, you know what you like and you're both excited about this and that's fucking awesome. 
So I love that. You, you know, the way now you're talking about it now, I, that resonates with me more as to why I do like these books. Hmm. But I think, I think it's also more about like, exactly, even if it's not my kink, seeing characters on the page be so excited about kink and so passionate and so into it yeah. and also communicative about it, even if there's one book I read where the characters are really not friends and it's a, actually a humiliation, degradation kink. And mm-hmm. so even when they're not being having sex, they're not necessarily nice to each other, there is still communication about what's okay and what's not. There is still yeah. consent. Exactly. So I love that. The second piece is consent. So you are agreeing to everything that's going on and there's there's a safe word or there you know there's you can really tell the other person your limits whereas i think in a lot of romance books and in a lot of real life sex you just sort of go for it and kind of hope that the person's into it without there being an explicit conversation of yes i want this and i'm excited about that yes an enthusiastic yes is consent whereas silence is not there's a line there and i think a lot of books and relationships we just assume that silence is a yes and sometimes it is, and that works great. But in these books, you've got an enthusiastic yes because you know that the person is consenting to this specific scenario. And I just, I love that that's like very clear and it makes it, mm-hmm. again, it makes it hotter to me that you know the person's really into it. And the last one is something you touched on, which is like finding that person who shares your specific thing. So in all, in pretty much all these books, one of the characters has this kink and they think they're alone or they just haven't found somebody to really fulfill it for them. And then the counterpart in the book, they want to be the dominant, they're submissive, or they want to tie them up and they want to be tied up. And it's like this amazing thing to find your sexual equal who totally perfectly complements your own desires. I just love that. Yeah, you're right. It's sort of a faded mates type scenario. Yeah. And, and yeah. It, it might start with a kink, but then they're, they, they are also mated from other perspectives too. Right. Like it's a whole, it's a full match. Right. But I just, I just love that sexual compatibility that you don't, you might have that in other books, but it's not as clear cut. It might just, you know, it's like, oh, I just loved him or his dick felt better than anybody else's <laughs> dick. But it's like in this book, it's like, no, no, I like to be spanked and called Christina. And like, that's, <laughs> and you like to spank people and call them by something that's not their name. Like, you know, like this is, yes. there's this, this is a perfect specific, fit. It's yeah. the puzzle pieces. It's the puzzle together. pieces. Yeah. 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 That's great. No, you make, you make really good points on all those. I, I think I agree with, with all of those as to why I do love this trope. I think ultimately for the books I read anyway, the reason I loved these books is because there, they, there was an emotional match with the level of steam. Mm-hmm. Obviously I love the steam in these books. It's totally hot, but I love drama, love angst, as you know, and I sort of the internal and external struggles that these characters go through in all these books was really appealing to me. It felt also in, you know, you always leave reality at the door a little bit or a lot in a lot of romance novels, even if it's not a fantasy novel, you could be reading contemporary romance and really leave reality at the door. But I think in a lot of kink books or the ones we read or the ones I read it actually did seem realistic not only the conversations about consent and all that but sort of the internal struggle the conflict between the characters the internal conflict all of that and I just I really liked being a part of that ride Mm -hmm. yeah and they're hot they're so hot (laughs) yeah anything else you want to oh one more thing I want to talk about is which is sort of on the more humorous end so I think when I think of kink like before this episode i definitely thought of just sexual kinks with a partner but i also separately think of sort of kinks in what you like in romance novels Hmm. like that is definitely a thing 
like I think you have said before that you really like the one bed trope. No, I like the waking up from the waking. Nightmares. Okay, waking up from nightmares. And yeah. yours is being on a horse. And I in or yeah, two people riding a horse together. So I, I like I don't know the other another word for that except for a kink. Like that is <laughs> I don't know if that qual- would qualify as a fetish. I feel like it's a kink that you like in romance novels, or maybe you love a possessive hero. Like I love a jealous hero. Just there's all these like little tiny things in romance novels. I love a good grovel where mm-hmm. you're just like, mm, this book this yeah. is for me. If I if you have the certain taglines, you'll just read yeah. the book. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Okay, you ready to talk about some books? I'm so ready. Okay, the first book I'm going to talk about, I think, might have been the first real kink book that like actually focused on kink. Same. Oh, there's a lot of romances we've read that have had a little bit of kink. Like maybe someone has tied you to a bed or something, but it's not the focus mm-hmm. of the relationship. The book is called Shame by Fiona Cole. The kinks involves are sadomasochism, dominant and submissive, BDSM. This book is pretty, it is a lot of drama. I would say it's a lot of angst. It's a second chance romance, friends to lovers. And that it's very well titled because of the sort of primary conflict that the, that the characters struggle with internally is shame takes place between annabelle and kevin they become neighbors they become best friends when they're young when they're young when they're young they share everything with each other except these sexual proclivities kevin is very interested in being dominant and annabelle is actually very interested in being submissive and there's also this sense especially when they're young and a lot of books do this where they don't really understand what they're they're looking for Mm -hmm. they just know that it's not quote unquote normal or like the mainstream sex as you were kind of talking about earlier they can't maybe label it but kevin feels a desire in sex to be dominant to be a bit of a sadist to cause pain and it really is confusing for him he feels very ashamed of it and he hasn't told anyone and they get themselves in a sexual situation, childhood friends to lovers eventually as they, they grow older and come to find that they are actually well-matched. Both have to deal with that. They end up getting separated. There's a long separation and there's a second chance. But I really liked this book because it was about sort of this growing up and trying to figure out your own identity and reconciling internal thoughts that maybe you can't label and you can't decipher but they feel feels like an authentic piece of you but you don't feel like you can let let it out yeah I like this book because their journey to figuring that out is really nice and that you kind of see two different trajectories right when they when they go their separate ways she has some really negative experiences with the kink and so she continues to feel shame about it and continues to feel like she wants she's trying to not be that way and I think Kevin if I'm remembering correctly he starts embracing it and just sort of accepts that this is what he Mm -hmm. likes and that it's okay. So when they come back together, you know, they're in very different places where he's fine with it. He thinks it's totally normal and she's still trying to remove herself from that or remove that piece of herself. And so they sort of have to come together feeling very differently about the things that they share. Yeah. And I think, you know, we'll talk about a lot of different types of kinks on today's episode, but I think in particular this one, I mean, Kevin struggles a lot, particularly. It's not like he's into a praise kink or something like that. He gets off on causing pain mm-hmm. to his best friend, physical pain, and she happens to really enjoy it. And that that is particularly hard for both of them to reconcile because, you know, 
to find out that you enjoy someone being in pain, but then finding someone who consents to that. I mean, it's just, that's just a, a very wild journey to me mm-hmm. from yeah. an emotional standpoint. Yeah, it's just a really great coming of age story too. Yeah, I think it was just, it was very well done. I mean, it, it did have great steam and all of that, but it really was a heavier handed, well done approach to sort of growing into yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, coming of age was a good way to say it. Yeah. Okay, so Praise, which is book number one in the Salacious Players Club series. This is a praise kink, and it was my first praise kink, and I really liked it. And it's I by- like praise. <laughs> it's, it's by Sarah Kate. Yes. I started listening to this book on audio, and then I think you texted me. And I, when I listen to a book on audio, I do it over like a week or two, because yeah. I just like when I take my walks and things like that. You were like 10% in. Yeah, and you texted me about this great book. <laughs> And you were so excited to tell me about it. And I was like, oh, I'm already listening. Because I read that. it in like a day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and then you were like, I think I have a praise kick. <laughs> you were like very excited to find yeah. out that. Which is honestly a great reaction. Like that's that's like we what I hope for everyone. Mm-hmm. We're just going to be totally open on this podcast yeah. at this point. Yeah. Okay. So it's an also an age gap ex-boyfriend's father romance. The main characters are Charlie and Emerson. And I'm not going to go into super detail about this because it's really just about the kink. But... The main plot is that Charlie is the ex-girlfriend of Emerson's son. She comes to his house to pick up a check because they just moved out. She moved out of the apartment with her ex. And Emerson owns a sex club and he thinks that Charlie is his submissive for the day because his business partners will send him women to be his subs. He likes he has submissive secretaries who aren't really secretaries. Right. So she comes in, he's like tells her to kneel and like starts bossing her around without and she, a second like, thought and she like does it because she's very confused so she just obeys his orders and then is like why am i on my knees what's happening <laughs> and uh eventually he realizes the mistake he's horrified mortified and uh she ends up being his secretary and, and his sub his, and well she ends up being his actual secretary his actual first. secretary yes because he needs a lot of help running the club and the business and then they end up in a relationship it was really well done it's really well done i think i just just explained praise kink a little bit before yeah we go on to the next book but yeah. basically it's a it's a submissive dominant relationship she behaves well and then he gives her praise and says really loving things to her yeah. during sex you know you were saying before that a lot of kink is not necessarily like the physical intimacy and the sex itself mm-hmm. a lot of that relationship is her just being submissive in the office like kneeling Mm -hmm. and her finding enjoyment with that Mm -hmm. and him finding enjoyment of having her do that for him Mm -hmm. he also is very explicit that he does not like brats which i think brat is sort of a related kink of someone a submissive acting bad and wanting punishment but being called a good girl when they do well or something like that yeah but Yeah. yeah it's that was my first praise book too praise kink book and it involved a lot more than what I thought Praise King would involve. Yeah, same. And I think it was interesting because he very clearly likes this kink. He's very well-versed in kink because he owns a sex club. He actually brings her to the club and helps her explore other parts of her sexuality. But she's very new to all of this. She's pretty sheltered sexually. And so on her end, she's sort of learning that this really works for her and that she really likes it. And yeah. What I also liked about this book is once they do start a sexual relationship... She ends up alternating days of when she's going to be the submissive and when she's quote-unquote regular Charlie. And so there was this whole concept of 
this is when the kink takes place. This is when we are in this very specific role play. It really is a role play of being dominant submissive. Yeah. And then it ends. Like the scene ends. Right. And the next day, she is regular Charlie. She talks to him the way she was, which, I mean, she's not, I'd say on her own outside of the role playing, she's not a very submissive person. She right. speaks her mind. Right. They and have a pretty he, equal relationship they do, outside they do. of the kink. Yeah. Which I thought was really fascinating to see. And I think is also pretty authentic to a, a lot of kink is role play. It's falling into these roles, but just because you are like to be submissive in the bedroom or in a role play situation does not mean you're a role, like a, you know, someone you can, who's naive and right. roll over on. He's not going to control her out right. in regular life. Yeah. And I actually think that's a, a theme that's pretty consistent through all of them is this like turning it off and turning it mm-hmm. on when I, when we're doing sex, when we're, when I'm going to be humiliating you or praising you, or you're going to be submissive to me. And then as soon as it's over, you have the aftercare where you're, you know, really kind to the person or, you know, they say the safe word and you snap out of it immediately and you're back to, back to normal. Yeah. And that's, I think that's really cool. Like yeah. You just have this part of your relationship where you are purely in that sex mode and like that physical intimacy mode and then you can be you know you can develop the relationship outside of that I just think that's really cool Uh, me too I what I also liked about this book was he has she she is not his first submissive Mm -hmm. and the first person he's done a praise king for so as you were mentioning before there's a lot of this sort of finding the one faded mates concept yes they match in a kink perspective but they end up matching an emotional mental perspective yeah this is a pretty tame tame obviously (laughs) no it's a pretty tame kink but but I think, but I, it is a tame kink, but I think the role playing, which I was not expecting in a praise kink, like I didn't really think about taking it that far, made it a bigger deal because it is like a scene. It's, it's role playing yeah. beyond just having sex and saying good girl. Yeah. But I, I liked, I felt like more, even more, they were well matched because he'd had that before, but her in particular, he meshed with outside the bedroom as well. And that's why they were together. Yeah. Okay, so the next one we'll talk about is Unbound by Kara McKenna. This is Robin Mary. This is a male submissive degradation bondage slash rope kink. Very specifically. A lot of words there. Very specifically, like, rope and bondage kink for him. He likes being tied up with with specifically rope. Yeah, he needs to feel the the um, abrasion against his skin. And I would maybe, since we talked about the definitions of kink and fetish, I would say that in particular is like a fetish. Like he likes the feel of rope Mm -hmm. on his skin. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. This book has a big trigger warning for eating disorders, I would say. Or not even, yeah, no, I think it's eating disorders. Okay. Yeah. You didn't find that when you read this? I read this a Pretty long ago. Okay. The only thing about this episode is Caitlin kept texting me being like, I found this great book, not just for praise, but for this one too. And I was like, oh, I read that like eight months ago. Yeah, literally every book that I <laughs> came to you with, you had already read. And I'd already like bought it and read it. And I was like, fuck. Okay. Well, but I'm glad that I read all of these because they're all great. Yeah, they are great. So, but you talk about this one more because I, it's been a while. Yeah. So Mary has just lost a bunch of weight and has decided to go on a big hiking trip in the highlands of scotland because her mother passed away recently so she goes on this trip she gets really sick she ends up at this cottage the cottage is owned by rob and he is a, essentially a recluse he used to be an alcoholic and was previously married and alcoholism really ruined his relationships and so he has secluded himself in the highlands in this cottage in this cottage for about three years and 
his kink is very specifically rope and bondage, as Kristen mentioned. And being submissive. And being submissive. And this is not something he ever felt like he could share with partners. He sort of told his wife about it at some point, and she thought, I mean, she, she reacted poorly to it and didn't want to do it. And I think he got the impression that she, you know, thought it was, she, she didn't, she looked down on him for it. I'm trying to think of the right words for it. She, she kind of shamed him she for it. She kind of shamed him for it, yeah. So he's not, this is not something he shares with anybody about himself. And yeah. he doesn't really talk to anybody. He only helps Mary because she, like, literally is going to die out this here. This is definitely one of the situations where I was saying, talking about themes in the beginning where, he, yeah, he's a recluse and has hidden himself yeah. away from society because of this thing. Yeah, and he doesn't even tell her off the bat. She actually intuits this because she sees the way he looks at her when she's holding rope and then... They end up being intimate, and she sees the way he's, like, gripping the bedsheets around his wrists, and she's like, oh, do you want to be tied up? And he's like, whoa, like, you're cool with that? Like, you just noticed that about me? And he's really shocked that there's this woman who totally accepts him. She's like, cool, you want to do this? Like, tell me what else you like. Like, what else? What do you want to do? It's that, that was my favorite part of this book, and this was the first book I read for this episode specifically, and I loved it because so much, like, there's this whole scene where he's actually getting her off and she's just asking him what he wants and he's talking about what's exciting for him and she's getting excited because he's getting excited about talking about it and it's just like so fucking cool there i think yeah that goes to your communication point like yeah finding out what the person other person excites and even if it's not completely in line with like your very 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 specific kink you get excited because they are right and she when when mary is narrating she talks a lot about how she has all this power to make him feel good because she knows what he likes. So even though she's not naturally like a dominant person in bed, she knows that if she brings a rope out or if she ties his hands up or she does something, he's going to be super into it. And that's really, that makes her really into it because she knows she can get him like nobody else can get him excited in the way that she can. And that's just like, it's just a really beautiful relationship. He is struggling a lot with, you know, his alcoholism, his sobriety. And so that, ends up driving them apart and then they have to come back together but i just it's just a really it's like really beautiful yeah <laughs> and, I, really, and really steamy but like really beautiful and yeah awesome. I, I also really like the concept of one character feeling ashamed and like feeling like they can't talk about it and another character coming along and being like oh it's cool yeah like this very casual and usually you see it from like a female being a virgin and then the male teaching her like quote unquote teaching yeah. her about sex and, and this kind of reverse the situation. I did like this book. I will say that this is not my king. <laughs> the sort of reverse like submissive woman or submissive male female dominant, but I love a good Scottish mm-hmm. hero. Mm-hmm. So in a remote cabin. Yeah. Give can't it to go, me. You can't go wrong. Can't go I wrong. did the only thing I had a problem with is that he only has an outhouse and I was like, nah bro. <laughs> I forgot about that part. Yeah. Okay. Next up, I want to talk about Voyeur by Fiona Cole, who also wrote Shame, which we talked about first. This is part of her Voyeur series, and I think there's five or six books. I've actually read most of them. They're really good. The They center around a club, which most of the characters either work at or are somehow involved with, called Voyeur. And the whole concept of this club is it's a sex club. There's a bar area. I think there is are places where people can have sex. But the primary function of the club is to be a voyeur, whether you're alone or as a couple. There is a scenario that you select that you want to observe. 
that is going to heighten your sexual enjoyment. And so voyeurism, we should just talk about that as a kink, is is the idea of getting off on basically on observing others in a sexual situation. And I see this in a lot of books in very small ways of one character, you know, especially I've seen that a lot in like reverse harems and things like that, where one character just enjoys watching the others. Yeah. And that's sort of the foil to exhibitionism, which is enjoying being watched by other people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the flip side. And I'll mention one book that, that does talk about that or that focuses on that. But so this is a voyeurism kink specifically takes place at this club. The characters are Oakland and Callum or Cal. This is also a student teacher romance college setting. I love a good student teacher romance. It's dual perspective. And the basic premise is that Callum goes to this club. He's had a membership for a while. He's friends with the owner and he has a voyeurism kink. He likes to watch people in sexual or kinky situations and he is sexually aroused by that. Our heroine, Oakland, is standard college student looking for money. This is like a plot device in so many college romances. And she decides to work at this club. She has worked with a partner. There's this guy, Jackson, who she's completely not interested in sexually. They're just friends. But more so, she is just comfortable doing solo scenes, which essentially means she's going to masturbate and someone's going to watch her. The people, the way the club functions is that people could, the person watching you could be in the room, like in a dark corner, or they could be behind a pane of glass. It's kind of up to the, the voyeur what they want. Maybe the voyeur is a couple and they want to get it on while they're watching you type of thing. So there's, hmm. there's one way glass so that she couldn't see them. So Callum happens to request her on one of these situations and is completely enamored with her and is very turned on. And is he behind the one-way glass? He's behind the one-way glass. Mm. So you'll come to find that Callum has had a history of sexual abuse. So voyeurism is definitely his kink, but it's also necessary for him to be a sexual person, for Mm -hmm. him to explore sex. And so it becomes kind of like a crutch, but he he obviously does enjoy being a voyeur too. And in... In reverse, Oakland comes to find that she actually enjoys being a bit of an exhibitionist, which is essentially what she is. So how does this work in a... I'm just, I'm just genuinely... Yeah. Uh, I'm not well-versed in these because I haven't really read any books with these kinks. How does that work at a partner level? Like, do they also, like, complete sex acts together or... They mean Oakland? Yeah. Yeah, she can. So essentially the, the way it works at this club is... No, every- no, no, but, like, when they actually get together as the couple, are the main characters together sexually or is she always performing for him and he's always watching? Oh, I mean, they, yeah, they do have a sexual relationship, okay. a physical intimate relationship. And part of that is working through his past trauma. Mm. But but the, the way it starts is very separate from she's the exhibitionist, he's the voyeur. The first day of his semester classes, he finds out that she's his student. And much of the book is spent where he knows it's her and she doesn't know it's him. Obviously, that will create conflict. But That's a super interesting premise. Yeah, she also ends oh. up being a a student worker in his office. I think he's a physics professor or astronomy or something like that. So this this was also an, a more emotional read. It wasn't quite as heavy as Shame. And all the books in this Voyeur series are not quite as heavy. But it did deal with serious topics, like I said, trigger warning for sexual assault and abuse. The way they come together and build a relationship actually ends up being less about the kink itself. Like I said, the kink 
comes mostly from like necessity from his perspective and they kind of develop a relationship separate from that and realize realize by the end that they don't need the voyeuristic exhibitionist part yeah i wonder if in in couples that have these kinks if it's more that they share one or the other because i feel like it'd be hard to be on opposite sides of that and have one be an exhibitionist and one a voyeur unless you're not gonna have sex together you know what i mean yeah, I mean, maybe this is the situation where people bring in another yeah, person to yeah, the relationship would, and yeah. get off on watching them. But I think masturbation is also... Yeah, no. I'd just be curious to to hear from somebody. If if you're listening to this and you have one of these kinks, I'd really like to hear about your actual experience with exhibitionism or voyeurism as a yeah. couple because I'd be curious. Because it, they take place physically separate. Right. Yeah. Unless you share that. If you're both into exhibitions or yeah. both into voyeurs, it would make it, you know. Well, so anyway, a, a, anyway. a related book that was, was going to be an honorable mention, but I'll touch on a little bit here, Beautiful Stranger by Christina Lauren is the second book in her Beautiful Bastard series. I've talked about the yeah, first book before. It. This yeah. is, Christina Lauren now writes fairly tame contemporary romance with moderate steam. This was her their older books, which are quite high steam, really lend itself more towards erotica than even erotic romance they're not super angsty there is there is more plot though than just like straight up pornography mm. but this book deals with these characters who I'm, i it's been a while since i read it but i'm pretty sure they have an agreement they find out that they're both are exhibitionists and they have an agreement that they will have sex anywhere but a bed and so most <laughs> of the book is them having sex mm. everywhere and anywhere I feel like that's in secret day. but also just flagrantly in view of people and so consenting yeah. people or just Consen- like yeah 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 i think consenting consenting people okay. not not like on the street but like okay. i think maybe, maybe it's like there's probably a sex club scene at some point they both are exhibitionists and so they are physically together because right. one isn't a voyeur they're both right yeah that's super interesting yeah yeah the, i think there's there's so much to unpack with all these kinks i know well and there's so much there's just like really good ideas I know. Like, I'm, like, I'm, like, mm, I'm okay that you need to spice up your life. Listen, Read I haven't book. been a romance reader for very long, a couple years. I kind of discovered it more so during the pandemic when I needed things to get, get out of my normal life. And I definitely feel like a more sexual person in my 30s than I did in my 20s, just naturally. And I think maybe that's a natural progression for most women. And it also comes with just like a natural build of confidence and more of a I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks kind of attitude that comes with age yep but reading romance has definitely opened my eyes into being a more sex positive person taking more ownership of my own sexuality and yes you could say I feel more sexual now in my 30s in part because of this reading but for everything that I find that I like in a romance book I also find plenty of things that I don't like yeah Josh and I just had this conversation actually because he's pointed out that I just like talk about sex or like make sex jokes more often yeah ditto <laughs> mike is always saying that yeah and i was like well i think part of that is because i'm just reading about sex more but i think it's also because reading these books has sort of made me more comfortable with that and yeah. made me more exploratory and i think it's really overall really positive i do too i do too and i think that you know i think there's a misconception just kind of backing all the way up to like being a romance reader and people thinking like they're ashamed to be a romance reader and it's smutty and you're reading porn and like yeah there is a lot of hot steam and certainly I read it for that reason a lot but like I said there's also plenty of romance books where I'm just like not into that and so Mm -hmm. it's not like every romance book I pick up I'm voraciously like this is all my porn like there's just plenty of ones that I'm not into and so it's this has also been like a self-discovery journey yeah for me 
Back to the, <gasps> back to the books. Back to the mm. books. Well, we're about to talk about a really heavy one. Yeah. So this is called Asking For It. It is book number one in the Asking For It series, which again, didn't realize it was a series when I picked it up. Thought it had a happy ending at the end of book one. Was like 3% of the way for the end. I was like, oh, fuck is she wrapping this up? <laughs> <laughs> I had a similar experience. This is another one that Caitlin was kind of excited to tell me I was reading and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I read yeah. this. Okay, well, I'm, but I'm going to talk about it. So okay. this is by Lila Pace and it's about Vivienne and Jonah. Trigger warnings in this book for child sexual abuse and rape of a minor. This is a consensual non-consent and rape kink. and A very explicit rape a kink. very, very explicit rape kink. Vivienne is actually a uh, rape victim. She was raped when she was 14 and so partially because of that and partially potentially just because that's sort of what she would be naturally into she has a kink about being feeling like she's being raped she also uses it as a crutch and cannot get off unless she thinks about being forced yes to the, and, and i can't remember because i read a little bit far longer ago but is the rape the actual rape she experienced not the full extent of it but the fact that she was raped is that revealed pretty early mm-hmm. on yeah, yeah okay that's yeah pretty long, but the how it's impacted her life and her family yeah. life is not really imp- revealed, revealed yeah, yeah, until yeah. the end of book one. So I won't get yeah, that away. But I, I think, I think this is what you kind of touched on in the beginning, probably specifically this book about like the idea that your kinks come from like your background and things, right? right? Well, is so, it natural proclivity? Right. Or is it from well, the Well, that's what I was saying. So she, what I really liked about this book is that she's in therapy the whole time. Mm-hmm. Which I think a lot of characters in romance novels need to be in therapy. I mean, and just they're just everyone. Not, they're just like, be. oh, I'll meet this person and they'll complete me and then I won't have these issues anymore. <laughs> and guys, go to therapy. It's fine. His dick cured me. Yeah. So <laughs> she's in therapy the whole time. She's talking about her trauma. She also talks a lot about her kink and has a lot of conversations with her therapist about, you know, her therapist is like, hey, lots of rape victims also have this fantasy and it's fine. The issue is the way you feel about it and the fact that it's, like, the only way that you can get off. Like, you're using it as a crutch and, like, you're the, you are keeping yourself in this space where it's still out of your control kind of thing. So I really think the, the conversations with her therapist throughout the book are really interesting and enlightening. The other character in this book is called Jonah. He has a dark past that I won't get into, but that's what a lot of the trigger warnings also relate to. And he is looking for a partner that he can dominate and play out this rape fantasy with as the aggressor. So they meet kind of accidentally. Kind of randomly. Yeah, yeah, she pulls over to the side of the road because she has a flat tire and he helps her fix it. And then they go to the, a party and realize that they have mutual friends. And sh- her kink gets exposed accidentally by her ex at this party because he gets really drunk. Jonah hears it and then he you know, approaches her while they're alone and is like hey i actually have this fantasy too we should just meet up and play together it's very business like yeah he's just like i don't want a relationship i don't do romance i don't do that but i want somebody to play with and i have a feeling that like you could actually meet me where i'm at where i need to be where i need to be a little more aggressive and my partners haven't really been into it in the past so they end up forming this relationship where they just agree to meet up to play these games it's almost clinical in a sense a lot of it where it's just like well, you, they have the communication conversation about consent and what's okay and what's not, but it's also very much like they don't see each other, and right. then it's like, let's meet up at this specific time and do yeah. this, yeah. and then we, we separate. Yeah, you're going to go to a bar, and I'm going to approach you, and then I'm going to you know, break it down. And we won't talk again like, until the next time. Yeah, so what I thought was really interesting about this is that there's, for most of the book, there's no aftercare because they're not in a relationship. So 
watching her work through her trauma through this kink without there being that like relationship emotional component is really interesting and I think that's part of the reason that they struggle so much and why she's still struggling by the end of book one because she's never been able to play this out with anybody it's always been her in her mind she's always been sort of faking it or thinking about it but she's never come clean to anybody about really wanting to except for her ex who you know like did it once and then was like I'm not into this I'm not gonna do it with you so yeah I just really really love this book I thought the way they did it was really well done I haven't had time to read the second book in the series, but I, I'm, I will at some point because I think the, the way that Lila Pace wrote this is just really like authentic and really good. The way that this one was written made me think of how I felt like Shame was written. Mm-hmm. Just it was just yeah, it was just really well and done and unbound and unbound. Yeah, I think it, you know particularly with this kind of kink and the sadomasochism, it's it's really hard to put that on the page, and to say like I have a rape kink like that's a pretty heavy kink mm-hmm. that can deal with a lot of just natural internal feelings and shame about it and she did it in a really nice way yeah this is definitely god i would say this is not well it, it is erotic it has this graphic sex but it is just so much more emotional and character driven it is and i, I don't even there aren't really that many sex scenes no either. they're it's not i would the, say this i would say this is on like the edge of what I, we would call erotic romance it's yeah. definitely not erotica but it's almost just like a contemporary romance yeah yeah. Yeah, it was really good. So good. So the next one I want to talk about is Blackwood from the Blackwood series. It's the first book by Celia Aaron. This book is one I found on Reddit, and I'm actually rereading it now because when I was writing the notes for this episode, I was like, oh, yeah, I really like this book. I want to say I first read it maybe like six or eight months ago, and I was just cruising on the romance books thread on Reddit trying to find something to read, and someone wrote a gush post for this book and in the description just put red riding hood and the big bad bdsm wolf and i was like downloading okay so this book is a primal hunt kink coupled with that consensual non-consent and what is a primal hunt kink primal hunt kink is sort of the predator prey role-playing and in with that consensual non-consent so essentially it it is often a physical chase where one person is playing the prey and one person is playing the predator. Like Zodiac Academy. Yeah. And obviously at the end of the chase, the predator catches the prey and then a sexual situation follows. And often it is played out to be consensual non-consent, almost like a rape scenario. You see this a lot more, I think, in fantasy romance especially in a lot of well a lot of paranormal romances touch on this whether it's like the primary component of the book or just a little bit shifter romances werewolves vampires one book we've talked about gushed about before about this kink is hot-blooded by heather gare Mm. which is a vampire romance but that involves a primal hunt scenario because he is a he he's a blood hunter right he's a vampire and so they play with that kink a little bit This book is contemporary, though. It's a romantic suspense, and the premise is that we have a student, Elise, who is an archaeology student. I think this takes place somewhere, it takes place somewhere in the South. I want to say Louisiana or Alabama. She is studying archaeology, getting her PhD, and she's studying Native American artifacts. And at the same time, her father has been missing for many years. 
And for whatever reason, she thinks this particular piece of property, the Blackwood estate, has something to do with it. The guy who owns Blackwood now is named Garrett Blackwood. He's in his early 30s, and he is a complete recluse. He apparently used to go to the same university as Elise. He was a very smart guy. He also studied archaeology. And for whatever reason, he now has holed himself up into this house. He has many, many, many acres of land, many miles of square miles of land, and has hidden himself away from society. He doesn't let anyone on his property. So she actually goes to his house to try to get permission to survey the land because she she wants to figure out whatever is going on with her father's disappearance, however it connects to this property. But she also wants to find the artifacts and no one has been able to survey this land and a lot of other areas, a lot of other plots of land in, in the county they're in have been looked at already and she needs the grant money to, to go to, to this particular untouched place. Mm-hmm. Garrett Blackwood completely shuts her down, shuts the door in her face and says, absolutely not. She decides to forge his signature on the permission form. She gets her grant and she comes back to survey the land. And she decides she's going to be in this town for a couple months. She is kind of warned away from the property or is very explicitly told, don't stay there at night. There's all sorts of wild animals there, boars and things like that. But also everyone is kind of iffy about Garrett Blackwood. They don't really know much about him except that there are often screams of women coming from his property in the middle of the night, Hmm. and no one knows anything about it. It's very creepy. So I'm not going to give more away, but we have this mysterious father disappearance, women's screams coming from the property at night. I mentioned this is a primal hunt king, so you can probably guess what Garrett's into, and he happens to have a lot of property, which really works in his favor she ends up getting caught on his property and I won't go into why and how and becoming close with him and they end up engaging in this kink. In addition to the primal hunt component of this kink and that consensual non-consent simulated rape, there's also a breath play kink involved here, which is the concept of sort of restricting someone's air during sex and then... Mm. Choking. It's a choking kink, yeah, but breath play. Well, so, uh, breath play just sounds like it could, uh, it's like, give me yoga vibes. It's not what I <laughs> like, think of. Like, is it like tantric <laughs> breath play? No, this is not what I think of. Okay. 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 So, yeah, it's choking, Caitlin. Okay. It's choking. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, but this is, but this is a romantic suspense, so there's a little bit of a thriller aspect in it, and there's uncertainty about Garrett and who he is, and the screams coming of his property at night, and what happened to her father. It's very good. And as soon as I read the description of this book, like that Red Riding Hood, Big Bag Wolf, I probably should have done this in the retelling episode because it (laughs) kind of touches on that a little bit. But I didn't know I had a primal hunt kink until I read that sentence. And I was like, there we go. Interesting. Yeah, Yeah. I want to read this now. It's great. Cool. Love it. Okay, so so far we've talked about sadomasochism, BDSM, praise kink, male submissive degradation bondage voyeurism exhibitionism consensual non-consent and primal hunt and breath play (laughs) pranayama (laughs) um okay so this is actually we should probably talk about this one earlier preferential treatment by heather gare is a submiss also a submissive male yeah but i think it's it's done differently it is done differently yeah done in unbound that's true. That's true. So in this book, Kale and Mikhail, 
Mikhail. Mikhail. Kate and Mikhail. Oh, what did I say? Kale. <laughs> Kale and Mikhail. Kale and Mikhail. <laughs> okay. Back that ass up right now. Okay. <laughs> so in this book, Kate and Mikhail are the main characters. Mikhail is a CEO billionaire. He's like a very alpha. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. like a CEO, sits behind a big desk, very yeah. domineering, big peering. Yeah. And she, Kate, was an employee, a lower level employee. He walks by her desk one day and she's on the phone and she doesn't know who he is. And he starts touching something in her office or something. And she just like grabs his wrist and is like, no. She just like shuts him down. She doesn't even see him. She's she doesn't just, even see who he is. Yeah. She doesn't know. And then she looks up, I think, and notices. She's like horrified that she's done this. But he, who likes to be dominated by women, is like, oh shit (laughs) i think i found my match so he calls her into his office and he gives her a proposal that she can get a new job as his i think he creates a job title for her like her secretary or something right and then he basically pays her to tell him what to do and to be his dominant she's got a lot of debt and she i think doesn't really like her job and it's just like okay i'll try this and like clear my debts and i can't remember does she did she know she was into this no, I don't think she'd done it before. She just she's just a natural. Like she just. But do you get? I so I didn't read the entire thing. I I love love Heather Gare, but this is just so not my kink that I could not continue reading. But does she find that she's really into it, or is it really more about his no, interest? Yeah, I think they're both into it. I think she. Yeah, I think they're both into it. Yeah, it's just really good if you wanted like a more lighthearted, submissive male. Yeah, situation. yeah, it's it, a really good one. Yeah, Unbound is. A little bit heavier it's for sure. Very heavy. Yeah. Yeah. This one I don't I mean there's not really that many trigger warnings that I can think of. I also book. this unbound is very bondage specific yes. submission. Yes. And this is a little bit more general male. This submissive. is like the height of entertainment. It's like <laughs> they'll be like in his office and she's like making making him do stuff. It's just like very ugh. Ugh. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Heather Gare's amazing. Okay. <laughs> All right. Two more kinks I want to dive into a little bit more before we do some honorable mentions. So uh, I recently listened to an episode of Faded Mates, the Faded Mates podcast, and they did a whole episode on daddy kink. And I, Halen's giving me a grossed out face now. We don't kink shame here. I'm not kink shaming anybody, but it's not for me. (laughs) That's fine. Don't yuck others yum. I hate that phrase. (laughs) I know. I hate that so much. Anyway, I found this particular book from that podcast. They did a really nice job. This is the same episode where they're talking about erotic romance and erotica, and I just they always do a really nice job of an intro discussion. This book is called Act Your Age by Eve Dangerfield. I had seen this mentioned many, many times before in many different, like from many different people, particularly on Reddit, and just never read it. This is a straight-up daddy kink. Daddy kink is often linked with a praise kink, but they can happen independently of each other. In the praise book, was there any daddy kink in that? I don't think so. I don't think so. It was just straight up praise. And in this one, there's no praise kink. So often they are, they are paired together, but they can also happen independently of each other. I think that's why I also thought that praise book was so interesting because I always thought praise was linked with the daddy kink. Oh, I never thought that because it's the first book I really read. Okay, okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but this book is... It's not super heavy, but I think it is really well done. And you can find a thousand books under the sun that are straight up daddy kink erotica. I mean, 
Jessa Kane, if you just want something, 99 pages and super dirty daddy kink. Almost every one of her books is the same thing with slightly different concepts. There's so much out there. But this book, I liked it because it touched more on this sort of emotional relationship journey outside mm. of the kink. So we have, this is also an age gap. We have Ty, who is 45. He is grumpy, authoritative. He's a former firefighter who now works at a, I think they work at a renewable energy company or something like that. Mm-hmm. He is a the boss of the the female main character and he's not sort of the the head boss there's a bosses above him so he's sort of like middle upper management and she's just below that her name is kate everyone calls her middleton because Hmm. i guess she sort of looks like kate middleton a little bit and they have actually both thought that they're pretty attractive she is i think in her mid-20s she's like 24 25 but she looks pretty young and she she has always thought he was cute. He has always had, you know, been attracted to her, but they've pretty much avoided each other and they don't really talk and they don't really spend any time together. The book starts at a bar. They are staying, they're all at a conference, I think. So they're staying at a hotel and they're in the bar. Everyone else has left. Ty is still there. Kate is flirting with some guy and Ty overhears the fact that this guy is going to try to go home with Kate and like videotape them during sex and do something like completely appalling. And he is a good guy. And he's like, well, I don't really talk to this woman, but I, I don't want to like leave her in this situation. So he ends up coaxing her back to the hotel and she is completely passed out at this point, like on top of him, like she was wasted and he can't find her hotel key and he doesn't really want to like reach into her pants and like move around so he brings her to her room puts her on the couch his room room, puts her on the couch and he goes to bed she wakes up much much more sober hours later but still the middle of the night and is confused and doesn't know where she is but then she's like oh i remember the dude in the bar oh no i must be at his place but my clothes are on we obviously didn't do anything And so she's like, well, now I'm feeling better. So she approaches him while he's sleeping. And obviously he knows who she is, but they end up becoming intimate. And for the whole time, she kind of thinks he's someone else. And at one point, he asks her to say his name. And she's like, I don't fucking remember this bar dude's name. Sam? Stan? What was it? (laughs) And so she says the first thing that comes to her head, which is something she's actually always wanted to say, and she only says it because she thinks this is like a random guy that she just met, and she calls him daddy. And he is stunned, and she's a little bit like, oh no, did I do something wrong? Only to find out that he is super into this. Shortly thereafter, she discovers, not random guy in the bar, my boss Ty, holy shit. So this is the first encounter. This happens in like the first or second chapter. And it turns out that they have both had this daddy kink, but have never been able to explore it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like classic scenario, how we've been seeing with these other books. They develop a relationship, but it's purely sexual, purely scene, role-playing based. I thought this book was also interesting because the way he is more interested in the daddy kink is different from how she is interested in it she is more interested in it from like a caretaking perspective and he is more interested in it from like a domineering perspective like they do a lot of like 
role playing of like, I'm your stepdaddy and you did something bad like that. And mm-hmm. she's into that too. But there, there's just like a, there was a, a range of daddy kink that I didn't think about before. The other thing about this book is he doesn't really do any aftercare for her because mm-hmm. he doesn't really acknowledge that as a thing that is needed. And they end up hanging out a lot of times after sex, but there's no like physical intimacy or cuddling. And so it's just like, it's a growth for both of them where they're like, they've had this secret desire. In Ty's case, he's been, he's 45 years old. Like he's lived most of his life not being able to engage with this. And then they're both navigating it together. They definitely deal with senses of shame and rightness and keeping this secret from society down the line. But it, it was, it just was very well done. Super hot also, but with the office romance boss employee. Yeah. I feel like the age gap often employs an, a boss employee relationship. It can. Yeah. Framework. For sure. Yeah. For Not sure. always, but sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, but it was hilarious how it started. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I mean, now I want to read it. I love yeah. that premise. That's really funny. The last book I'll talk about is a, is priceless by Miranda Silver. This is a humiliation, humiliation and degradation kink. And I, I guess I've read books with like degradation kink before, which is essentially a lot of it is name calling. I mean, it can be taken to very serious degrees, but often is like calling someone a slut in bed or something like that. I've never read something before with a straight up humiliation kink. It was wild to me, but I continued reading this book mostly for this episode. It was an enjoyable book, but I was mostly curious about this kink. And I'll explain what the accumulation kink is yeah. through the story. But Christina and Patrick are both in college. Christina needs money. What I like about this book is it's a very average Joe story. She doesn't have like a traumatic background or anything. It's not like she, you know, is poor and destitute. It's just that she had a certain amount of money and she's a do-gooder and a people pleaser. And so every time she's out with her friends, she's the person who buys pizza or whatever. And they have all come to like rely on that. And she just ran out of money. And her friends are kind of shitty people who don't you know, like when she starts to cut back on that stuff because she wants to save, they're like, what do you mean you didn't bring any snacks? You always bring snacks. Like they're shitty people. Mm-hmm. Patrick went to study abroad in Rome for a year, came back a very different person. No one really knows why. He lives in a frat house and he's pretty reclusive now and quiet. He and Christina end up interacting and he discovers she needs money and he offers to hire her as his companion three nights a week, specifically just for sex. She's a little bit like, do I want to have sex for money? I don't know. She goes back and forth about it. They end up having this relationship. And he's very specific that it's not just sex. It's sex the way he likes. And he doesn't really tell her what that is, but they have sort of a first time together where he pays her a little bit more. And then she gets to think about whether she wants to continue it. But it turns out he is very into humiliation and degradation. And humiliation can take a lot of different forms. But in their first sexual encounter, it takes the form of him literally rubbing the money that he is going to pay her for sex with over her body. And essentially, like, she is, like, embarrassed. And he gets off on her being embarrassed. Hmm. There's other times where he's made her cry and he gets a fuck. It's a very, like, I've never read a straight-up humiliation kink. And it was fascinating to me. Yeah. The other nice, I think the nice thing about this book is there is a time when they role play and a time when they don't. But even during the role play, Christina is pretty feisty and like 
when he's rubbing money over her body, she's getting embarrassed, but she's also like, you're a fucking asshole, Patrick. Like, she's calling him out, and he does it anyway. And so they are role-playing, but, like, the lines are a little bit more blurred in terms of, like, this is a scene, this is when you're not in the scene, because she doesn't, she doesn't all of a sudden take on a submissive personality. Yeah. But she does find, surprisingly, that this kind of turns her on. So they explore that, but it is a sort of a fuck buddies to lovers type scenario. Okay. I have two honorable mentions. I had some others, but we've actually talked about them during our episode already. Captivated by Tessa Bailey and Eve Dangerfield. First of all, amazing Ooh, author pair that's up. A good, yeah, that's yeah. a good pairing. Tessa Bailey, Queen of Dirty Talk, Eve Dangerfield, Dangerfield super steamy. She wrote Actor Age, which I just talked about. That is a, a stalking kink. Hmm. So it's like a dominant submissive, a little bit of that primal hunt vibe, but specifically someone stalking, one person stalking the other and the person being stalked, like being aware of it and getting turned on by it. So it's sort of a, again, like definitely like a role play vibe. And then if you're feeling super, 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 super adventurous, <laughs> Cruel Idols by Sorsha Black is a MMF, so it's a male, male, female. It is BDSM. There's also knife play, cage play, degradation, domination, and submission. This story starts with a woman who has heard that her favorite horror author has rented a, like a cottage in her town to work on a book, and she goes and visits him and tries to meet him, and turns out another author is there too, these two guys. They write horror, so very appropriate. And she comes to find out that he one guy is very dominant and the other is his submissive. And then she ends up getting involved with them. Wow. It is fucking crazy. And it will make a lot of people uncomfortable. I'll say that. It is wild, but it was I thought it was really good and it was fascinating. I gotta tell you, some of the pre- premises of the books we've talked about in this episode are some of the more interesting that I've heard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Very, very interesting. Yeah. But there there is a lot of I think this is, like, this is the only book, I think, where I've seen, like, knife play and, like, yeah. cage play. Like, literally treating no, someone seen, like a dog. Oh, I've seen knife play in, um, fuck, Adeline, something like that. What am I thinking? I don't know. This book also has, like I said, has degradation, but it has extreme degradation. Like, much more than calling someone a slut in bed. So, all the trigger warnings for this book, but... If you want to really explore and learn about more kinks, there you go. Yeah. Did you have any honorable mentions? Well, so I was going to say the book that I was just thinking of was Haunting Adeline by H.D. Carlton. But that book had some straight up non-consent where like there wasn't any, like she ended up liking it, but there wasn't any communication about Mm -hmm. it beforehand, which I think, I think I've mentioned this book actually before and just made me uncomfortable. So, but that is, that is a stalking kink as well with knife play and primal hunt and like a lot of other interesting things. yeah i yeah. feel like we covered so much today we did so i just want to say this is just the surface of kink and we're both learning a lot about these different types of kinks and what we like and what we don't like and what's out there so you know if you want us to talk about a specific kink or there's something else you think we should read or we didn't understand something about one of the kinks we talked about please reach out to us and let us know. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I'd love to hear anything that you're into that you want us to talk about on the show. And I think, you know, as we said, these books, 
the major thread through them is the kink, but there's so much romance that has little pieces of a lot of these involved. And, and some, and I think that was probably my entry to a lot of this stuff was like a little bit here and here during a sex scene or something like that during an intimate scene, something came up and I was like, Oh, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. Let me find more of it. And then you find ones that are really focused on it. To me, this was a really feel good episode and like mm-hmm. a good marker for how much I have evolved in thinking about sex and things like consent and communication and the world of possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say if you come in with an open mind and try to read some of these, you might be really surprised at what you can learn and what you can figure out about yourself reading yeah. those books. And maybe you'll be like, not my bag. And that's fine. And that's cool too. Yep. All right. Well. Like me and daddies. <laughs> and me with submissive men. Yeah. It's kind of it's funny. It's yeah. Um, yes. So thank you for listening. This has been Love and... You can find us on social media, love and underscore podcast at Twitter and Instagram. Or you can reach out to us via email at hello at loveandpodcast.com. And we'll see you next time. Bye, lovers. Go love yourselves. Get